Beloved Church of God, beginning our service before the Lord, let us stand and affirm the promise that relates to the door of our home, the resurrection of Christ reign in our bodies. Amen. Let us bow our heads in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we are grateful to your holy name for this once again privilege to be in the place that your hand has outlined for the worship of your holy name. And so allow your inheritance in the name of the blood of the covenant to be lifted to heights higher than us and to break all burden and sin that binds us. May in this service be cursed as before all the works of devil, illnesses, poverty, premature death, demonic dependencies, all forms of fears, depression, destruction, selfishness, ignorance, all of this let it depart from the tents of your holy people. And stand, Lord, on the place of your rest, you and the ark of your might. May your saints be clothed in your salvation, and may they rejoice before your countenance. Give us more from your Spirit. Fill us with your Holy Spirit, and allow us to find your holy countenance. We thank you that this service is presented by Apostle Arcadian to your divine arms, and we ask you to continue to lead it with your high and uplifted hand, Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. May you be blessed. Please be seated. Place of Holy Scriptures, Ephesians, chapter 4, verses 22 through 24. That you put off concerning your former conduct, the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man which was created according to God into righteousness and holiness. This is the goal of holy saints which God has placed. And the means for coming to this goal God laid in the heart of his messenger, our pastor, Brother Arkady, to prepare the people of God for being clothed into the resurrection of Christ so that they can be raptured to the Lord so that they can be with the Lord in the air. We are continuing to focus our attention to the three verbs. This is to set aside, to renew, and to clothe. And as we have previously mentioned, that in order to be clothed into the new man, created by God in righteousness and holiness of truth, we need to set aside the former way of life of the old man, growing corrupt in the deceitful lusts. So if we do not do this first step, we can't move on further. And only then we can receive the right anointing from God to renew the sphere of our thinking with the spirit of our mind, which is the mind of Christ in our spirit, or it is the wisdom of God in the face of the Holy Spirit. And then, through a renewed thinking, we could begin the process of clothing ourselves into our new man. It is from answering these three faithful questions will depend whether we turn ourselves into vessels of mercy or the vessels of wrath, or will we perfect our salvation that is given to us in the format of a deposit, or will we waste it, because of which our names will forever be blotted out of the book of life. 
Throughout our study, we have stopped to study the following question. What conditions are necessary to fulfill so that through our renewed thinking, we could begin the process of being clothed in the powers of our new man, created by God in Christ Jesus in righteousness and holiness of truth? This new man has been created in us. We have been born of God, but there is a certain process process that God has prepared for the righteous. The process in which we are called to be enabled. It is to completely be enabled, meaning we must be clothed in this process and be in it with all our heart, with all of our mind, and with all of our thinking, with all of our energy and strength. This is called to love the Lord. And we have noted that the new man in which we must be clothed in is our innermost man that has been born from the imperishable seed of the Word of God, which according to its nature is righteous, holy, imperishable, and immortal, without end in the life of God. Because of which, although it is temporarily in the perishable body, it dwells in the fourth dimension of the unseen world. And thus, our new man contains in itself the dimension of time, a dimension of eternity and time. It rules over time because it looks to the invisible, lives according to the invisible, and strives there. This invisible is real. This is the heart of a person. No eye has seen or ear has heard what God has prepared for those who love Him, but God has revealed it to us. He revealed it to us in our heart, and our heart began to see. This is, of course, invisible to our eyes of the flesh. And because of which, we call the inexistent inheritance of Christ in time as existent, because it is an eternity. It is in the imperishable spiritual spiritual realm, which is outside of time. So, to proclaim or confess with our lips the contents of faith in the format of an imperishable inheritance that is pure and unfading. About this, Apostle Peter wrote that this is called to be revealed and open, and God has spoken of this, and it is going to be opened in time during the end days, and we have heard that this is going to happen in our time. This inheritance will be uncovered in our time, which we are to which we are called to. And it is going to be uncovered through faith, through faith that calls us to salvation, meaning our faith collaborates with the faith of God, with the Word of God. And so the right to be clothed in the powers of our new man is the right to rule over time. Because without rulership over time, it is impossible to be clothed in the garments of righteousness to fulfill the perfection of our Heavenly Father. As it is written in Isaiah 61, verses 10 through 11, it says, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God, for He has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness, and as a bridegroom decks himself with ornaments, and as a bride adorns herself with her jewels. For as the earth brings forth its bud, 
as the garden causes the things that are sown in it to spring forth, so the Lord God will cause righteousness and praise to spring forth before all the nations. We often hear, and our pastor reminds us, that when we hear that Abraham gave birth to Isaac, Isaac gave birth to Jacob, Jacob gave birth to the twelve patriarchs um, through four women, then there in the lineage uh, the woman is often not mentioned and in this place of scripture it talks about how he has clothed me he has clothed me through garments of salvation meaning god gives and provides a seed god gives birth to this seed in us we accept it we fertilize it and there is a very laborious process involved in which we are a part of a woman when she carries a child this is a rather difficult process in order to carry him in a healthy manner to correctly uh, have a diet to lead a correct way of life and if something does not coincide with some kind of standard then there is a chance that the child will be unhealthy or there might perhaps be a miscarriage or there will be some kind of complications. Sometimes these complications are of such a nature that they are they continue for the rest of the child's life. We have stopped to study the garments of righteousness and in part the measure of that price that is necessary to pay for the right to be clothed in the garments of or the robe of righteousness, and we have stopped to study the seventh condition that sounds like this. The seventh condition for the right to be clothed in the robe of righteousness to fulfill the judgment of God is to be clothed in the redemption yielded in the observance of the Pesach of the Lord according to the statute established by God. This is our part, our role. And this is our difficult process in which we carry the seed, protect it, correctly feed it, And we place it in the correct atmosphere we try not to speak with people or not to uh, share fellowship with those who corrupt good morals with those people who are this leaven those that do not strive and those that do not contain the teaching about the kingdom of heaven in themselves those that are sinful unclean lawless wicked so we protect this word carefully in our hearts each detail of the annual observance of Pesach pointed to the legal right to exodus out of Egypt, which symbolizes the right to be delivered from the vain life and to enter to the promised land, which symbolizes the right to the final deliverance from slavery to sin and death in the body, and in the future, to the final deliverance from the perishable body itself and from the mortal soul. And thanks to worthy partaking of the Pesach of the Lamb, saints will be clothed in imperishability and immortality, and we will be raptured upon the morning star that has risen in the heaven of our spirit. It is written that when God led the people out of Egypt, this was 
a large multitude. These were several million people. And this process of deliverance from Egypt had lasted quite a bit of time. And victory came already in their children. And from this multitude of the thousands, there were several million people. From 20 years and higher, only two people had entered into the promised land. This tells us what? It tells us that the breads Pesach, or the observance of Pesach, are the breads of calamity. It's calamity for the soul of a person because we ought to lose our soul and to be delivered from the dependence of our on our soul. And this is a rather complex process in which we use ourselves fully to do this. For the treasure of this celebration of Pesach to become reality in our life, Scripture noted ten different conditions for us that are written in the book of Exodus, the statute of eating the Pesach. We have already looked at nine of them, and we have stopped to study the tenth condition in which the redemption of God in a person was called to triumph over death. And this was the need to eat of the Pesach lamb in haste. Exodus 12:11 says, And thus you shall eat it with a belt on your waist, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand. So you shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. The element of haste upon eating the Pesach was so important that it is mentioned in Scripture as a certain unchanging law. It is this element that was used in the exodus out of Egypt, and it is this element that was lifted up to the rank of a special sign. The word haste, aside from its literal meaning in the dimension of time, to hasten, to hurry, to not be late, in Hebrew, in the dimension of time, it contains completely different definitions or meanings. For us, it is important in both instances, in our language, and also that which is contained in here. To hurry is to take the yoke upon ourselves, to carry our cross. There are those people that follow after Christ, but do not take up their cross. We are called to take up our cross, to take that will of God, which we have accepted, the perfect will of God, not partially, but fully take the word of God and to carry it upon ourselves. And there's a certain yoke and a certain burden, but it is good and light. And we finally begin to understand this. To endure suffering, the Lord teaches us to endure suffering. This tells us that there is not going to be a cloudless life. There will be sufferings that come upon our path, but the Lord will teach us how to endure these sufferings. And He will deliver us from sufferings in such a way that He will keep us safe for eternal life. These sufferings will not break us. To hasten is called to be clothed in the mantle of a disciple. Uh, someone who hastens is someone that becomes a disciple of Christ. And we know that he becomes a disciple through fellowship with the messengers of God, submitting himself to the order of God. To be clothed in the armor of light, as scripture says, having set aside 
we are called to be clothed in the armor of Christ. This is the armor of light, so that we can withstand the enemies. To hasten means to renew our thinking, which we have been talking about. Our thinking must become like God's. And when we renew our thinking, we all begin to think as one body, as God, as Christ, as His messengers. To ponder upon the law of the Almighty, to dwell in this pondering, to look upon the Word of God with fear and trembling, we must have this fear and trembling present during hearing the Word of God, and to stand watch of not distorting the Word of God. Scripture provided strict conditions. If anyone adds something to it, God will send a plague upon this person, as it is written about in the Book of God. Whoever takes away from this Word, his life will be taken away from him, and his partaking to the armor of the Lord, his partaking to the holy life, to the promises of God. That's why we need to stand vigilant and be watch of not distorting the word of God that we do not add or take away from it. We begin to study eight signs that define haste upon worthy partaking of the Pesach lamb. There are more than eight of them, but here we are looking at it in the format of the number eight. We have already studied five signs and we have stopped to study the sixth one. I will remind you of the previous five. The first sign of eating the Pesach of the Lord in haste in Hebrew means to ponder upon the contents of the Pesach feast, or rather ponder upon those truths which we have fertilized ourselves with through the seed of the word that we have heard. So this is to walk with God through this word. And through this word, God knows us and we know God. This union with God, we become one with God and we are united with Him through our pondering and through our dwelling in this word. When we hear it, we ponder over it. Chew it, return to it. Sometimes we have certain questions, we search for answers. God places these questions when He sees in us some kind of hole in our memory. He allows us to formulate a question we begin to search for the answer to listen and to heed to the word to again look back to again re-listen to this word to surround this word and then the answer comes and this promise is conceived in us and sphere after sphere we endure victory and we come from strength to strength and we come to the power of perfection before God and we are before him and the Lord measures us with His reed. And this happens through our hearing the Word of God. Hearing the preached Word of God in the lips of those people placed by God. The second sign, and if we have this, this means that we are fulfilling this element of haste. We understand it and we are correctly fulfilling it. When we do not cherish time, we don't. When we don't value time, we lose this ability to be fertilized by this word of God, and we lose the ability to offer fruit. 
and these promises might die in us. The second sign of eating the Pesach of the Lord in haste means to hear the word of God in humility and contrition of the heart. Our heart, our spirit, is in humility and contrition. In this kind of spirit, when the spirit is contrite, a person does not make him another person uh, his trust. He relies on the word and the truth in his word, his order. The third side of eating the Pesach of the Lord in haste in Hebrew means to be vigilant or to stand watch of that which we ponder over or that which we eat through hearing the word of God. To be vigilant means to protect. When we accept the word, we ponder, we surround it, we conceive it, but it is necessary to then protect it, that no one may steal it, that no one may take our crown. Yes, we've accepted the crown. The Lord has given us a certain virtue, a dignity, a certain authority. He has given us the right and the authority to be called children of God, to be a light, to be salt, to represent His interests. But there is one who is going to try to steal this state, one that is going to try to steal this virtue. And of course, we are called to stand watch and to protect. God had once placed Adam, Adam as the head and responsible person to protect the Garden of Eden and to tend to it. This is the same idea for us to protect, protect this idea. People ask us, is it true that you have been taught this? Do you believe what you have been taught? To these words and to these thoughts and to these people, we need to simply declare war over them, ignore them. The fourth sign of eating the Pesach of the Lord in haste in Hebrew means to cherish the time that has been sent for partaking of Pesach. And there, Pharaoh, king of Egypt, it says that he was dismayed. Why was he dismayed? Pharaoh is the mind of a person. He says, I don't understand anything. This person comes to dismay. What is this? I'm completely lost in it. He missed out on the time. Lord, heal my time that I may be restored. The Lord, according to his mercy, can heal time. But we are called to yet cherish this time, so we must learn to cherish time. And perhaps it has happened, or perhaps we've faced this and seen ourselves that we are not having enough time in something, that there's an opportunity to repent before God and say, Lord, heal the time for me. Give me the chance. When you will give me this chance, I won't do or neglect and or waste my time again for myself. People often want to live, to live for themselves. This is what people often say. I want to live for myself. These aren't my words. But sometimes I talk to people and they say, well, you know, I want to live for myself. You know, if we live, we live for the Lord. This is what is written. And if we die, we die for the Lord. We don't live for ourselves. We have died in the Lord and our life is contained in the Lord. And whoever says, well, I want to live for myself, then he does not know who the Lord is at all and what the statute of Pesach is and how to observe it. 
The fifth sign of eating the Pesach of the Lord in haste in Hebrew means to desire and to find fulfillment in partaking of Pesach in the subject of desire of hearing the preached word about the kingdom of heaven. That which we are doing now, we are coming here with joy, with a desire. And we know that this word is a word of remembrance which we have already accepted, which Pastor has already spoken. And as Brother Daniel had said, we are now going to always show the date of when this sermon was spoken. This is 26th of August, 2016. And at the end of the notes, you will also see this date and you will be able to see it and go back. The sixth sign that we are continuing to study means to fulfill our salvation with fear, trembling, and reverence. Philippians chapter 2, verse 12, Apostle Paul says, With fear and trembling, work out your own salvation. So fear and trembling must be present in the heart. And this state must be continual. The person is filled with fear. We talked about how to be filled with the Spirit of the Lord is to be filled with the fear of the Lord. Fear and trembling is the requirement necessary for being clothed in the mantle of justice, which we are studying in the robe of righteousness. And to fulfill the justice of God in haste means to be filled with the fear of the Lord. Isaiah chapter 11, verse 3. His delight is in the fear of the Lord. And he shall not judge by the sight of his eyes, nor decide by the hearing of his ears. This is written about Christ Jesus. He, as a man in the body, as the Son of Man, had to walk this path, and he had to be filled with the fear of the Lord. And he did do this, and this prophecy was fulfilled in him. And we, walking the paths of Jesus as his bride, as those that are in the likeness of him, we are called to be filled with the fear of the Lord. We should know that the fear of the Lord is one of the virtues and properties from which in the literal sense of the word will depend our present and our future. Not just future, but also in the present, it has a very important significance. In scripture, being filled with the fear of the Lord according to its power and dynamics is equal to being filled with the fear of the Lord or the spirit of of wisdom and so to be filled with the fear of the Lord means there are seven different definitions first is to be led by the fear of the Lord second to be dependent on the fear of the Lord third to bind ourselves to the fear of the Lord fourth to act in the fear of the Lord fifth to live according to the fear of the Lord six to rejoice in the fear of the Lord and seven to worship in the fear of the Lord so everywhere the fear of the Lord is present. There was one moment when I had heard this thought long ago, while I was still very young. I thought, well, where do I find this wisdom? And people said, here's the wisdom of Solomon in another book and I read them and I tried to study them to memorize them 
There are interesting words that are written there in those books. And it was interesting to me when I had met with our pastor, I say, Pastor, have you read the, wis the book Wisdom of Solomon? We, he was sitting at the table. He cited a whole chapter of it completely by memory. And I was astonished. I thought this person is filled with the fear of the Lord and this was very interesting to me. Uh, an interesting example this wisdom we are called to study to study and to dwell in it according to its nature the fear of the Lord does not look like the fear of man because the fear of man deprives a person of the opportunity to conduct some kind of judgment whereas the fear of the Lord on the contrary endows a person with wisdom and the powers to judge and to bring to fulfillment the judgments of God which God had spoken and sealed in his word. And therefore, to be filled with the fear of the Lord, it is necessary to, first, to study the nature of the fear of the Lord or to give a clear definition of the fear of the Lord. Second, to study the purpose of the fear of the Lord in our relations with God. Third, to study the conditions necessary for being filled with the fear of the Lord. And fourth, to study the results that come from being filled with the fear of the Lord. Four classic questions, which when we apply it to any truth, it becomes easier for us to understand this material. Definition, the purpose, the price or condition, and the result. And we are verifying. We have already talked about and defined the fear of the Lord according to Scripture. Today we will remember what the purpose that the fear of the Lord is called to fulfill in our relations with God. We will remember this word. This word means that we have accepted it, we have heard it, we know it. But we need to be reminded of it, which we are doing today. We are remembering those words that have been spoken by our pastor. And Apostle Peter has said, I will not cease, while I remain in the body, I will not cease to remember these words of truth. Therefore we, in such a state, until the coming of the Lord, we will be reminded of this word and dwell in it. The purpose of the fear of the Lord and our relations with the Lord. What the fear of the Lord is necessary for? What is the purpose of the fear of the Lord? First, the fear of the Lord is called upon affirmation of the judgments of God, called to give us the opportunity to act. Second Chronicles 19.7 Now therefore let the fear of the Lord be upon you. Take care and do it, for there is no iniquity with the Lord our God, no partiality, nor taking of bribes. It is fulfillment being filled with the fear of the Lord that gives us the opportunity upon carrying out the judgments of God to act definitively, which means to not depend on bribery, or partiality, so to not depend on the flesh is what this means. To be careful is to be careful to stay away from worship of idols, to keep ourselves so as not to sin. Jude chapter 1 verse 23 says, But others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment defiled by the flesh. As Brother Daniel he had said during one of our previous services, when we speak 
this teaching, it is like a two-edged sword. If I take this sword and I perhaps correct someone or give instruction or I'm simply sharing the Word of God, then this must not just be a slogan. This must not be the word that comes from the mind, but this must come from the heart. And what if it's not in the heart? Then I myself will be cut by it. And we are called to be very careful. This fear must be present. Correct with fear. Of Christ Jesus, it was always said, They had said, you don't look at anyone's face, but you study the true ways of the Lord. Even the Pharisees, when they came up to him and asked a question, they said, we have already seen this in you. We've understood that you don't look at anyone. So the messengers of God, they are going to carry in themselves because they are filled with the fear of the Lord, the wisdom of God. And we, if we want to be in fellowship with God's messengers and to inherit those promises that God has given to his holy prophets because he has said those who accept a prophet in the name of a prophet will receive the gift in order to receive this reward or in order to share it it is necessary to accept how do we accept when we accept the anointed one of the Lord, he says, imitate me. You can't behave yourselves as you behaved before in your former way of life. You must imitate me as I imitate Christ. Then you will be able to be with me in fellowship. Otherwise, it won't work. What kind of fellowship will you have? There will be no fellowship possible. Second, being filled with the fear of the Lord is called to protect us from the envy of the success of the sinners. Do not let your heart envy sinners, but be zealous for the fear of the Lord all the day, for surely there is a hereafter, and your hope will not be cut off. Proverbs 23, 17 through 18. When a person begins to be envious, when he begins to compare, just like the, in the prophet Malachi it is said, we consider those that are prideful uh, more successful, they build themselves up in such a way. But those that are filled with the fear of the Lord, they say, the, before the Lord is written a book of works, and the works of saints are written there, and the day will come, as the book of Malachi, I don't remember exactly, but according to my memory, 400 years was 400 years before the birth of Christ, and these words were already spoken by God. I will create the day, there will be such a day, when I will redeem the inheritance of God. Saints will clothe them into the resurrection of Christ, and they're going to become my property. When we are referring to a property, this means that redemption has occurred, a price has been paid, we are waiting for the redemption of our body, our spirit is redeemed, our soul, we are in the process, we are renewing our thinking, and we are waiting for in language for when our body is going to be redeemed. And in this day, before the Lord raptures His church, 
it is said of those who separate their tithes for the Lord. And they say, we walk in sorrowful clothes, we bring tithes. But what is the benefit from this in, in the world? And other people, they don't do this and yet they are successful. Everything is fine with them. But the Lord through the prophet says, there will be a day on the earth when I will show the difference between the righteous and the wicked, the wicked that call themselves righteous, and I will show the difference between those that serve me and those that do not. And then, of course, the Lord will rapture and will show His glory and be glorified in His saints, and then will rapture Him into His fellowship. Third, the fear of the Lord is called to test us with the law of Moses and make us capable of evading sin. In other words, for us to be able to evade sin or to depart from sin, the fear of the Lord will test us with the law of Moses. And Moses said to the people, Do not fear, for God has come to test you, and that his fear may be before you, so that you may not sin. Exodus chapter 20, verse 20. Those that have not been tested by the law of Moses cannot have the fear of the Lord, and they cannot live and walk by faith, and therefore cannot not sin. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 25. See that you do not refuse him who speaks. For if they did not escape who refused him who spoke on earth, much more shall we not escape if we turn away from him who speaks from heaven. Practically, in this place of scripture, the Holy Spirit, through the Apostle Paul, opposes two forms of fear from one another and shows the difference between the law of Moses and faith under which we mean grace and truth that yields the nature of the fear of the Lord. And so, defining how the fear of the Lord is expressed, Pastor had given seven different definitions, components for us. The fear of the Lord in the format of grace is the fear that we are called to have in our hearts to live before God, moving with this fear. This is a certain bond of all of that which God is. So, by communicating with God, we are going to be clothed. And this fear is going to flow from God, from His presence in our hearts. And the righteous came from fear and trembling, not right away. In the beginning, when they met with the Lord, Sometimes they reacted differently, but then they were filled with the fear, and they said, I am in fear and in trembling. Knowing God, we come to this kind of state of fear and trembling, that we can walk before Him exactly, acting according to the statutes of the Lord, observing His word. Second, to the fear of the Lord in the format of grace is a certain unchanging goal towards which God strives. Through the fear of the Lord in the format of grace is the definition of all of that which comes from God. So any characteristic of God, as we heard, it is holy. The word holiness yields the essence of God. And it causes fear. It contains in itself this fear. Fourth, the fear of the Lord in the format of grace is a certain and unchanging law of God. Fifth, 
The fear of the Lord in the format of grace is a certain and unchanging order of the kingdom of heaven. Sixth, the fear of the Lord in the format of grace is a certain teaching about the kingdom of God. And seventh, the fear of the Lord in the format of grace is a definition of all of that which the kingdom of heaven is comprised of. So we have talked about how that which God is comprised of, the fear of God, or the holiness of God in the kingdom of heaven, this is also a holy territory in the holy atmosphere. All of these definitions gain their legal strength in the covenant of God with man, which, firstly, so fear in a covenant with God in the format of the law of grace, flows from the law of Moses. Second, the fear of the Lord in the format of the law of grace opposes the law of Moses. Third, the fear of the Lord in the format of the law of grace is magnified over the law of Moses. Fourth, the fear of the Lord in the format of the law of grace replaces the law of Moses. Fifth, the fear of the Lord in the format of the law of grace abolishes the law of Moses. Sixth, the fear of the Lord in the format of the law of grace is independent of the law of Moses, of which it is rid. The righteousness of God has been revealed apart from the law on all and for all those believers. And seventh, the fear of the Lord in the format of the law of grace is stricter than the law of Moses. The seventh final one oftentimes causes fear upon people or misunderstanding. They say, what, God does not forgive anyone, everyone, and for all things? God forgives the repenting sinner. And the Lord teaches us, for us, having been delivered from the former way of life and from sin, for us to live for the righteousness. To walk in the fear of the Lord is to walk in the grace of God by faith and in the faith that is independent of the law of Moses. Because in the law of Moses, a person can be justified only by his works. Whereas in the true faith that contains in itself the fear of the Lord, a person was called to be justified by the works of God, which he had done in the redeeming grace through death and the resurrection of his Son, Jesus Christ. In order to be justified by the works of God, it is necessary to be clothed in the righteousness of God. And this is a high responsibility. Galatians 3, verses 23 through 25. But before faith came, we were kept under guard by the law, kept for faith, which would afterward be revealed. Therefore, the law was our tutor to bring us to Christ, that we may be justified by faith. But after faith has come, we are no longer under a tutor. So this is like we teach our children. A child says, Dad, I want to ride on an airplane. Well, this is difficult. And we don't tell him, no, you're not going to fly an airplane. You fell from the steps and you want to fly an airplane? He says, yes, I want to fly an airplane. We say, all right, well, let's at least learn to ride a bike. And then we will move forward and the law it was like a guide a tutor of a child level like the level of a child to somehow help people to be before God infants in Christ can't walk by faith which is the fear of the Lord 
for the reason that their spiritual organ in the subject of an egg cell had not yet matured, because of which they cannot be fertilized by the seed of the, of the fear of the Lord through the preached word of faith. The faith of their heart has not yet matured, and they are led not by the faith of their heart, but by their intellect and their feelings. It is for this reason that that word that is tied to the faith of the heart they consider as foolishness, and they resist this word. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14 But the carnal man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. The carnal people, there are two categories. There are those that successfully grow in the order of God and there are those that begin to resist in the difference. The result is going to coincide with this. How can I understand if someone will not instruct me? I find a need of an instructor and God begins to instruct. Another person, he doesn't like that he doesn't understand and he begins to war and to resist. And this person, if he does not repent, he is going to depart from the life of God. Considering this factor, carnal people cannot be filled with the fear of the Lord because the fear of the Lord is the bond of spiritual truths which can be accepted and understood none other than with the heart of a person that has grown in the fullness of God that we may learn to fear the Lord. So the fear of the Lord, in order to be filled with it, we ought to be taught the fear of the Lord. This is what was always said, children, listen to me and I will teach you the fear of the Lord. These are people who are found in the era of the law of Moses, gained grace before the Lord and acknowledged the truth of God. Songs of Solomon, chapter 8, verses 8 through 10. We have a little sister, and she has no breasts. What shall we do for our sister in the day when she is spoken for? If she is a wall, we will build upon her a battlement of silver. And if she is a door, we will enclose her with boards of cedar. I am a wall, and my breasts like towers. Then I became in his eyes as one who found peace. Here there are two sisters. One contends for the kingdom, but what shall we do if nothing will work? A person will, does not work for him to be filled with the fear of the Lord, but a person who rejects himself, who pays the price, God makes him capable of being a wall, and he can say in his heart, this is happening in the heart. A person receives a testimony, and in his heart he can say, I am a wall meaning I can collaborate with the Word of God. I can accept, fertilize, and grow in myself the promise of God. Fourth, being filled with the fear of the Lord is called to clothe us with the authority and the ability to persuade men and to... 2 Corinthians 5.11 Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men, but we are well known to God, and I also trust are well known in your consciences. And therefore, having knowledge of the truth, we persuade people because we are uncovered for the Lord 
being also well-known in our consciences. To be well-known in our consciences means to be free from the authority of sin, which is possible only in one case. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free, as Christ had said. This is a certain result of knowledge of the truth. Therefore, the attempt to persuade people without the uh, um, openness of our conscience before God is uh, known as being a fair Pharisee uh, expressed in hypocrisy. This is when a person who has a hidden blemish tries to represent himself as being unblemished. Matthew 23 through 26 says, During the time of Christ that there were many of these Pharisees, and even today also their amount is increasing. Blind Pharisee first cleanse the inside of the cup and dish, that the outside may be clean also. Practically, people that have the authority to persuade other people and to be open in their conscience before God and those that they persuade are those that have left infancy, because of which those filled with the fear of the Lord are those that have a spirit of a king. It is these people that God will place in the church to persuade people and to be teachers. The dignity of a teacher is defined by collaborating with God in the bridling of one's lips and the ability to depart with the heart from evil words this is talking about the words in our lips we are of course called to depart from cutting people and from their words but this place of scripture it's very important to firstly to learn to depart from these words of our lips so that we do not speak them for and release them from our lips Psalms 141, verses 3 through 4. Said, I guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Meaning, do not give me this incorrect audacity to speak idle words. Do not incline my heart to any evil thing to practice wicked works with men who work iniquity and do not let me eat of their delicacies. Psalms chapter 141, verses 3 through 4. For a person that is filled with the fear of the Lord, this is seen as an abomination. But for others, this is like a delicacy. They don't understand that in this meal that there is venom in the words that they speak, and they eat these delicacies. And a holy person, we must either separate ourselves from communication, fellowship with these people, or to begin to seek. Sometimes we say, well, they're still carnal. They don't hear what we hear. Scripture specifically says, "Let do not let me eat of their delicacies. It says clearly. Psalms. David 141 In speaking these words we give a vow before the Lord or an oath before the Lord Fifth, being filled with the fear of the Lord gives us the ability to lead war against our enemies and to clothe them with a kind of fear that brings them to panic and deprives them of their power there we depart from sin and we depart 
our heart from this and we bridle our lips and we with this we direct this word we know that the the that the lips or the tongue is the wheel even a large ship it is steered by a small rudder where the captain wants for it to go same thing of the tongue in a person it is small but it is a mighty instrument therefore it is very wise to speak the correct words and to not speak any idle words or vain words the next step is going to be to bring fear upon our enemies 2 Chronicles 20:29, and the fear of the Lord was on all the kingdoms of those countries when they heard that the Lord had fought against the enemies of Israel so if a person tries to war against the man of God filled with the fear of the Lord then he wars against himself he who curses us is cursed the fear of the Lord was on the surrounding cities because Israel in that moment was filled with the fear of the Lord why do we need the fear of the Lord so that we can speak with the enemies at their gates without shame to not stray our eyes away to speak as those that have been filled with this royal spirit under the following three categories of enemies let's remember them under these enemies today we look at the organized kingdom of darkness different ranks of fallen angels that have been transformed into demons at the head of which is devil and satan the fallen cherub all of this army we are called to stand with a firm faith so that the enemy can depart with fear and second this is our old nature which we inherited from the vain life passed along to us from our forefathers which lives in the body of a person this is also an enemy and third these are wicked people who once were enlightened with the truth of the word of God and ate of the gift of heaven and were made partakers of the Holy Spirit and then had refused their birthright and the dignity and their dignity and place in the body of Christ and they became proudful they exited the boundaries which God had placed for them he violated the landmark of his neighbor and these landmarks are wonderful because the psalm of David says my feet have walked along the wonderful places and my inheritance is pleasing to me that which God gives is a pleasant portion and it is a very pleasing portion but the foreign place the foreign landmark the foreign territory we are not called to encroach upon and we receive the calling and when we become a part of the body of Christ become a part of the local church 
Even Apostle Paul, if you remember, he says, Lord, what will you tell me to go do? And then vision, Jesus comes to him, I am Jesus whom you are speaking about. He had fallen and he had said, Lord, what will you tell me to do? Tell me, Lord, what shall I do? How does Jesus answer? Go to Damascus, find the church, and there you will be told what to do. Thus, Apostle Paul found his calling, and we find it. Can you clean here, we are asked, or sometimes. Don't clean here. There are other people. They will clean. Therefore, sometimes we need to hold a person back. Sometimes we are held back by those people placed by God, or they say, don't park here, park there instead. But I feel like I should park here. This is better for me to park here. You know, if there would be no ushers, we could probably count, but we have ushers. Therefore, if I need to park there, all right, I will park there. There are many different spheres of services and spheres of responsibility, and the Lord teaches us where we are called to work, how to work, who we are called to care for, who do we help, where we are called to give our tithes, how we should give them, and so forth. Revelation chapter 14, verses 1-5 through Then I looked, and behold, a lamb standing on Mount Zion, and with him 144,000, having his father's name written on their foreheads. And I heard a voice from heaven like the voice of many waters and like the voice of loud thunder. And I heard the sound of harpists playing their lamp, their harps. They sang as it were a new song before the throne, before the four living creatures and the elders. And no one could learn that song except the 144,000 who were redeemed from the earth. These are those who are not defiled with women, for they are virgins. They are those who follow the Lamb wherever He goes. They are redeemed from among men being firstfruits to God and to the Lamb, and in their mouth was found no deceit, for they are without fault before the throne of God. Why have they been able to be unblemished? Because the name of the Father Jesus is written on their foreheads. They acknowledge the truth about the representation of God in the church. They found a person upon which God placed the spirit of a father. And this is talking about our thinking. They then understood and accepted this truth and they began to depend on God's order. And then they can follow the Lamb wherever he may go. Until a person has understood and, or has found or defined his place in the body of Christ, until he has found out upon whom God has placed the spirit of fatherhood, who to submit to, who to depend on, who to learn from. There are people that withstand Zion. People say, they withstand, they withstand democracy in Zion. A person continually represents and protects the order of God. There must be people placed by God, one person, and he is going to have helpers. And thus the body of Christ is built and comes to the full measure.
They are people who have the name of the Father on their foreheads. The essence of the birth birthright, because they've been redeemed by God as uh, as a birthright, this is comprised of the fact that all those found in Christ become partakers of His birthright. Because Christ Jesus, as our Savior, is the firstborn of the Heavenly Father, born by Him before all of creation. Therefore, all of those found in Christ are firstborns of God. But when, due to the ambitious desires of the flesh, a person like Esau sells his birthright, he is rejected by God. God had despised Esau but loved Jacob. And then the name of this person is blotted out of the book of life, as if it was never even written in there. It was written and then it was blotted out. And when a person leaves his place in the body of Christ, and when he demonstrates unfaithfulness to Christ in the face of those sent to him, these people cannot be renewed with repentance and be restored in their previous virtue. Hebrews 6, 4-8 For it is impossible for those who are once enlightened and have tasted the heavenly gift and have become partakers of the Holy Spirit and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the age to come if they fall away, to renew them again to repentance, since they crucify again for themselves the Son of God and put him to an open shame. For the earth which drinks in the rain that often comes upon it and bears herbs useful for those by whom it is cultivated receives blessing from God. We hear this expression, the waters. We take this word that has been given by God through our pastor and we read it study it in this land drinks it but if it bears thorns and briars it is rejected and near to being cursed whose end is to be burned those who bear herbs useful for those by whom it is cultivated receives a blessing from God whereas we remember that thorns are the cares of this world Sixth, being filled with the fear of the Lord is called to create peace on the heights of God. Dominion and fear belong to him. He makes peace in his high places. Job 25, 2. The power of the Lord is the immovable rock, the might, rulership, strength, the law of liberty, the legal rights, the power and authority of love, holding seven stars in his hand, continually expanding dominion, the garments of a high priest, the order of perfection, balance, fullness, completion. On one hand, we see that these words might be tied to one another, might not be tied, but we know that each word there, it's a, like a big, there's a big branch on a tree and there is many different kinds of branches, smaller branches on it. And each word carries in itself uh, the meaning and the significance that will unite this truth together. Thus, the power of the Lord is the ability of God to rule over his thoughts and the ability to lead his thoughts to action and to bring his thoughts to action 
God uncovers in his power the name and the dignity of his fear. And through his fear, he brings his thoughts to action. And he, through his fear, creates peace in his high places. The high places upon which God creates peace are the mountains of Zion and the dignity of Jerusalem. So God wanted to give us peace, to fill us with his peace, or to lead us into the covenant of his rest. But a person for this must be filled with the fear of the Lord. And as a result of this, he will enter into this covenant of peace. The peace that God fulfills on the heights of Jerusalem, this is the relation of God with his nation, founded on the redemption that is contained in a mutual covenant between God and man, and therefore making and keeping ourselves in a covenant with God is impossible without our collaboration with redemption, which uncovers itself in the fear of the Lord. And from this it follows that the truth of redemption preached without having in it the fear of the Lord cannot have true redemption. Therefore, the same truth, but when it lacks the important component, this truth must be filled with the fear of the Lord. And every truth that does not contain in itself the fear of the Lord is a lie and delusion, the end of which is death. It is this essence of this, that the mark of the beast has, which outwardly does not differ from the seal of God, but inside this kind of seal lacks the fear of the Lord. People say, well, God is love. You are preaching that God is going to punish us. People say, they take these words, these delicacies, and they take a sweet portion of the truth. They don't want to take the bitter herbs. And scripture says, you are called to eat the truth with the bitter herbs. In fact, the lack of the fear of the Lord in the heart of a person is a lack of peace with God in his heart. Because the peace of God in the heart of a person is the result of the fear of the Lord or the fruit of the fear of the Lord in the heart of a person. Practically, the category of people that are called to salvation, if they do not care to gain the fear of the Lord, they will share in a portion with the man of sin and sin of perdition. Because faith in God upon the lack of the fear of the Lord is the mark of the beast, which outwardly does not differ from the seal of God, but inside it does not have the fear of the Lord, which is the guarantee for peace with God, and then our names will not be blotted out of the book of life. People believe, many people do believe, and I have already spoken to one person and he told me that he's an atheist. And I asked him, are you a intellectual person? He says, yes, I have eight years of a bachelor's degree and school and I've worked on a submarine before, I've been in different countries of the world. And I say, do you truly believe that all the stars, the sun, the moon, this beauty, that it is created just itself. He didn't, he didn't expect this kind of question, and he says, well, to not believe at all, I can't really say. I think that there is a someone. You know, everyone, it's as if everyone believes that there is a someone because on my lips I already had the words prepared to reply to him, to bring him down, because what, you've lost everything you've studied and nothing else is left in your brain to say that I'm an atheist? But I 
gather myself in time. Faith in God upon the lack of the fear of the Lord is the mark of the beast that again outwardly does not differ from the seal of God, but inside it does not have the fear of the Lord, which would be a guarantee of peace with God and that our names will not be blotted out of the book of life. That is very similar, and we are able to see and distinguish the seal of God and the seal of the Antichrist, or the mark of the beast. And therefore, to fulfill the justice of God in the depths of our thoughts, it is necessary for us to be clothed in the peace of God, which is the fruit of the fear of the Lord, and it is called to be accepted by us as a seed by right of inheritance. If the seed of peace, as... It does not end up in the good soil. It cannot bring fruit of peace. Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 through 7. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which is above all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. In this case, the inheritance that is called to enter our account in the heavenly bank is the peace of God that is called to produce the fear of the Lord, which is called to keep our hearts and thoughts in Christ. Peace with God without the fear of the Lord cannot keep our hearts and thoughts in Christ Jesus, because these both work together. The peace of God without the result, or the peace of God, which is not a result of the fear of the Lord, is a false peace and false security which will end to ship which will result in shipwreck the peace of god as the fruit of the fear of the lord that is called to guard our hearts and thoughts in christ jesus it follows that the peace of god points to the belonging of the mind of our heart to the mind of god and therefore the property of the peace of god that is called to keep our thoughts in christ jesus is firstly the result of us being filled with the fear of the lord the presence of which in our heart is defined by the reconciliation of a person with God. That is why without the fear of the Lord in the heart of a person, there cannot be peace with God. Each time when we will be met with a definition in the action of the peace of God, we should always verify this definition and action by the presence of the fear of God. This is like the Father and Son. The peace of God is a covenant union agreement that is made with God in the fear of the Lord and under the inspiration of the fear of the Lord. The peace of God are relations of a person with God in which the sins of a person are blotted out of the memory of God, and these relations are not blemished by sin, and they must also be, be blemished from us. We must not have a remembrance of some kind of sin, of some kind of action. And if something does bring us doubt, we need to immediately remove the state. The sin must not remain in our memory. The peace of God is the heart of a person dedicated to God, trusting in God, and dwelling in the peace of God. The peace of God is called to protect the peace of our heart and our thinking, and it belongs to the sons of peace. Matthew 5, 9, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Peacemakers are sons of peace. 
And therefore those that call themselves saved but do not acknowledge the order expressed in, sum, in the submission contained in the kingdom, they are those people who produce not peace but separation, because of which these people cannot be called the sons of peace and therefore the sons of God. All must be under the head of Christ. At the head there must be people placed by God, and thus this order of God is called to move in the fear of the Lord and the fruit of the peace of God or the sons of God. People think that they have peace until the prophet Elijah or the true worshiper of God appears, and they will understand that they do not have peace. Luke 10, 5 through 6. But whatever house you enter, first say, Peace to this house. And if a son of peace is there, your peace will rest on it. If not, it will return to you. Therefore, with whatever reasons people might justify themselves, those that do not acknowledge the order, these are sons of lawlessness. Whatever garments they may be dressed in to justify their lawlessness, their resistance to the messengers of God, testify the loss of peace in their hearts. And it caused them to be a part of the wicked. Why did people leave, for example, our church? Because only there they have found peace. They couldn't find peace here. They had to submit and to be filled with the fear of the Lord. And then to find this temporary peace, they had to leave it. Isaiah 57, 20. But the wicked are like the troubled sea when it cannot rest, whose waters cast up mire and dirt. There is no peace, says my God, for the wicked. Why is there no peace for the wicked? Because the peace that they preached about did not have the fear of the Lord. They did not preach about the truth of God or the order of God. Being filled with the fear of the Lord is called to add the days of life to the unblemished, to, to the unblemished. The fear of the Lord prolongs days, but the years of the wicked will be shortened. Proverbs 10, 27. They will not have enough time to repent. Perhaps not literally their days will be lengthened. Yes, perhaps literally it can happen, but sometimes a person is wicked, but he lives very long and everything is fine. But then all of a sudden he leaves and he loses peace of God and he is found in horror because he knows that he is headed to, to perdition. We must know that our relationship to God and to his commandments, people can either prolong the days of their life or shorten them. Being filled with the fear of the Lord is called to endow us with the opportunity to hate evil, pride and arrogance in the evil way. Proverbs 8.13, the fear of the Lord is to hate evil, pride and arrogance in the evil way and the perverse mouth I hate. So from these, we must have an inner hatred towards this. Evil in scripture is called every work, including human philanthropy, or rather, 
works that come not from God. This is firstly to hate evil in our essence. Pride is the lack of humility when a person does not acknowledge the order about ranks. Arrogance is when a person measures himself with himself. An evil way is the path to God that does not include Christ. There cannot be any comparison. Perverse mouth is when a person vows his love and faithfulness, but then causes pain upon you. Being filled with the fear of the Lord gives the Holy Spirit the opportunity to comfort us. Psalms 119, verses 49 through 15. Remember the word to your servant, upon which you have caused me to hope. This is my comfort and my affliction, for your word has given me life. Being filled with the fear of the Lord is called to teach us wisdom through the teaching of humility. Proverbs 15:33. The fear of the Lord is the instruction of wisdom and before honor is humility. Just as this and in other places of scripture, the opportunity to learn wisdom is tied to the ability to be humbled. Matthew 11:29. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and meek in heart. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your souls. We must know that only those believers who are filled with the fear of the Lord can be clothed in the dignity of the disciples of the Lord, which gives us the opportunity and the ability to be taught wisdom. From this it follows that the wisdom that this is referring to is not given to a person automatically only because he has accepted salvation. The wisdom that we are referring to is not given to a person automatically only because he has accepted salvation. Having been saved, we must be filled with the fear of the Lord and become disciples, and thus to receive the opportunity to learn the wisdom through the preached word. Thus, a seal is placed on the forehead of saints. Practically, the fear of the Lord makes the heart of a person wise or capable of being taught wisdom. And that is why this fear of the Lord, it is written, the hearts of all the wise. Why did this heart become wise? Because it has been filled with the fear of the Lord. Because it became a disciple. Before become a disciple, it was humbled before God in the order of God. That's why God says, I will lay wisdom in this kind of a heart. In scripture, a wise heart is called a good heart. And a good heart is the good soil that is capable of accepting the seed of the preached word and to offer the fruit of wisdom, whereas the heart that is not good is a heart that does not have in itself the fear of the Lord. I'll remind you that this sermon was spoken by a pastor on August 26, 2016. This was on Friday. If you go on our website, you will be able to watch it on there. And I would advise you to also watch the uh, previous sermon, Pastor shares with his vision about what state the church is in i found this very important and therefore i also encourage you to watch august 16th 2019 and right now we will pray amen
Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we are grateful to you for the mercy that you have found us and have chosen from this religious world and have separated us for yourself and have made us your disciples. When you have, we have submitted to this calling, when we have loved the truth in the heart more than anything in this life, that we can keep this truth, that we can grow in the truth of this word. We have heard this truth from the mouth of your messenger, our pastor, Brother Arkady, and we have been made partakers of this place. We thank you for the joy and peace which are present in our hearts. We thank you for the teaching about the fear of the Lord. You show the beauty of this fear that we can see this treasure and desire to gain it for ourselves. You have taught us and teach us the purpose of the fear of the Lord. What you have given it for. Why you wanted us to be clothed in this fear. And we have seen the value and the necessity of the fear of the Lord. That we can purchase it that we can pay the required price and to be filled with the fear of the Lord and be clothed. And you have began to reveal to us our portion, the price that we are called to pay to grow in ourselves this fear of the Lord. And we are grateful to you for this mercy and for your favor knowing that outside of your fear there is no salvation there is no value there is nothing eternal and we with our heart have desired to forever be united with you to be in the likeness of you to love you and to dwell with you in fellowship an eternal fellowship with our Lord. We thank you for this place and we bless your holy name from this place. We pray for our upcoming services for you to continue to teach us your wisdom, your truth. We thank you for these words of truth and for the lips of the Lord that have spoken your words to bring us to perfection and completion. We bless your messenger, our pastor, brother Arkady. May he, may he be blessed in his healing. May the power of your healing be in the bodies of all of your saints. May we cast out these enemies. May we endure all sufferings. May we walk the path that you have meant for us to walk. 
May your saints be upheld in their difficult circumstances. May the name of God of Jacob protect us. May we be found under your protection. May we rejoice in your heights. May we lift uh, be lifted up on heights higher than us, being found in the high places of Zion. And we thank you for this. And we wait for that day when you will come to be glorified in your saints, so that having showed your glory on the earth and have magnified your holy name, you will rapture your saints to then return to the thousand-year reign and to establish your reign on the earth, on the mountains of Israel. We thank you for these great, precious promises. We rejoice as those that have gained these, and we worship before your holy countenance, Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Father, who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And let us conclude with our unchanging manifestation. Now to him who is able to keep us from stumbling and to present us faultless before the presence of his glory and unblemished joy, to God our Savior, who alone is wise, through Christ Jesus our Lord, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen.